0: Over the years, through most of my radio days in sports, I've become friendly with a lot of guys that played ball in the past. One of those guys, former Yankee great Roy White. Roy and I have had many, many, many conversations over the years, and it turns out my beautiful wife Danielle, who's a diehard Yankee fan since she's a little girl, Roy White is one of her favorite players. So she's excited about this, as I am. His new book, Roy White. From Compton to the Bronx, I do want to thank Murray Bauer for helping with this. A young man from Compton rises to the highest levels of baseball greatness. Roy White played on the New York Yankees from 1965 through 1979. Played alongside greats Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris, Whitey Ford, Thurman Munson, Reggie Jackson, Catfish Hunter, and many others. Today, Roy White sits among the greatest all time Yankees in most offensive categories, but on to play in Tokyo for a while as well, and one of their greatest, too, right behind a guy like Satohara O. So uh, here he is, one of the classiest and nicest men ever to don a uniform, let alone a Yankee uniform, my friend Roy White. Good morning, Roy. How are you,
1: buddy? Hey, good morning. Good to be back with you. It's been a while.
0: It has. It's nice to be back with you, too. It has been a while. I knew you were writing a book. and didn't want to bother you. Uh, before we get to your life, I know one of your teammates between 1965 and 1969, yeah. Joe Pepitone, has right. passed away. That'd be tough for you.
1: Yeah, I'm really greatly saddened by that. Uh, uh, I've been in contact with Joe over the years and usually speak with him once every you know couple of months. Uh, to check on him, see how he's doing and everything. And I think uh, the last time I spoke to him was probably uh, two or three months ago. And, uh, you know, he was in good spirits, feeling great, you know, in good health and everything. Uh, you know, he had no complaints. So I was kind of shocked to hear that news yesterday. And uh, as I said, greatly saddened.
0: That was sad, yes. And, of course, Joe was uh, quite a character. All-star, too, like you were, you know, doing those before the great transition, <laughs> the Reggie Jackson years. And, a lot of folks came out to the ballpark just to watch guys like you and Mercer and Pepitone. He had the hair dryer blowing his hair and all that stuff. And <laughs> it was, it was so, you know, there, there is one thing I want to say to you. And don't get mad, Roy, because you're such a classy, nice guy that you may get angry with me. But I got to tell you, when the Yankees retired Paul O'Neill's number and put him in Monument Park this summer, I love Paul. Paul won many championships in the Bronx and, to Paul's credit, never left. And is still a Yankee working on the Yes Network. The truth is, he spent a lot of years in Cincinnati. He won a World Series with Pinella in Cincinnati. You spent your whole 15-year career with the Yanks. You were a guy that people came to see, you, Mercer, when no one else was good on the Yankees. And even when they got guys like Reggie and Catfish and started winning World Series, you were still an integral part of the Yankees' success. If any Yankee... Belongs in Monument Park, Roy White. <laughs> it's you. So if Randy Levine, the president of the Yankees, is listening right now, uh, it is it is a disgrace that Roy White is not Monument Park. I said my piece.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear that from a lot of fans, uh, Sid. So uh, uh, it's not anything that I don't that I don't lose any sleep over it. So. You know what's funny? Well, you it's say not that for me to decide but,
0: that. but over the years, players have said to me, if I don't make the Hall of Fame, I don't care. And then when they made the Hall of Fame, they, they were honest with me and said, you know what? I really did. <laughs> so you really would like to be out there. But I know, I know how you are. You're such a, a great man. You wouldn't say it. You know, Roy, one of the interesting things about your career is you were on with me two years ago during Black History Month. And you talked about how early in your career, you actually had to stay. And if I'm wrong, correct me. But you want to stay in different hotels than some of the white players. You went through some of the similar stuff Jackie Robinson went through. Is that not true early in your career?
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, It it wasn't as harsh as Jackie. There's no doubt about that. Uh, The stuff he went through was far greater than anything I experienced. But uh, there was still a lot of segregation in the South. And uh, if any of your listeners out there ever saw the movie The Green Book, Yes. Uh, that was kind of part of my life. Uh, my my first couple of years in the minor leagues was uh, uh, a having to stay in the black hotels or somebody's home uh, whenever we went into another city. So uh, uh, it really opened my eyes, you know, because I, I grew up in California and never experienced it. You know, I had heard about it and everything, and uh, until you experience it firsthand, uh, uh, you don't know how disheartening it. It was, you know, to be treated that way.
0: And how did it change when you got to the Bronx in 1965? What was that experience like your first year with the Yankees in the Bronx? Well,
1: 65, I I was a a September call-up. I was down in Columbus, Georgia. And, uh, you know, the last couple of years in the minor league, civil rights legislation had been passed. And I was finally able to stay in some of the hotels with my teammates because I went two years without staying in the same hotel uh, with my teammates, you know, down in the south. So uh, coming to the Yankees, oh, though, that, that that was, uh, you know, one of the big moments of my life, getting that September call-up. had no idea the Yankees were going to call me up, you know. I was already making reservations to go back to Los Angeles, and uh, uh, Lauren Babe called me in the office and, uh Says forget about your reservations to Los Angeles, Roy. The uh, Yankees just called you up. Uh, you're going to be on a plane tomorrow, and you're going to join them in New York. Wow. And, uh, wow! You know, I just couldn't believe it. I was you know so excited, and uh, this is actually my second trip to New York now because uh, I had been to New York in 1964 after I suffered an injury down at Columbus. Uh, uh, I ran into uh, Lee May in a collision at first base and had a fractured rim of the eye socket. You know, his elbow, when he was trying to catch the ball, it slammed right into the side of my face. Oh, yeah. And I uh, had came up in 64 to go to Lenox Hill Hospital, but had a chance to go to Yankee Stadium and come into the clubhouse at that you know, at that time and then watch the game and then went to the hospital. Didn't need the operation and later went back to Columbus. So it was actually my second time coming up at this. Mm. You know, coming at the Yankee clubhouse with Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris. Elston Howard, uh, Pepe, Pepitone was there, and uh, Whitey Ford, all those guys. Wow. And I uh, said, I was watching these guys in the World Series when I was two. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable. <laughs> how, how could I be here with these guys? They're still here. You know, it was amazing.
0: But then one by one, those guys started to disappear and retire right. and go away. And, you know, it's funny. I'm a Met fan. You know that. But um, I certainly appreciate the great Yankee players. And I love you to pieces. But, um, you know, with the Mets won the World Series in 1969, it was your fifth year here in New York, fourth year if you consider your September call-up uh, with the Yankees right. in the Bronx. So I don't know if you guys were celebrating with the rest of New York, but how about that <laughs> summer between the Jets and the Mets and the Knicks? 1969 in New York was wild.
1: Yeah, that was really crazy, and uh, yeah, one of the reasons I signed, you know, when I first signed with the Yankees in uh, in 61, uh, I guess that's when I signed my contract. I didn't go out to nineteen sixty two, but I said, "Geez, once I get up there, I'm going to be in the World Series every year." <laughs> <laughs> you thought so, right? <laughs> right? right with that that waited, team? Yeah. I had yeah. to wait eleven eleven years.
0: Eleven to to years.
1: Right, and that would and have been the ironic thing about that, Sid. Was yeah. As a kid, I was a Cincinnati Reds fan. Oh, boy. You know, they had yeah. to cut sleeve uniforms. Yeah. They could hit. Yeah, guys like, you know, Ted Klozuski, Gus Bell, Wally Post. Later on, Frank Robinson, Vader Pinson, and those guys. And lo and behold, our first World Series will be playing the Cincinnati Reds, the Big Red Machine.
0: But that was a blessing in disguise because you didn't face the Robinson Pincer guys. You you face, of course, the Big Red Machine. And you took on guys like uh, Joe Morgan and Pete Rose and Johnny Bench. But that was a blessing in disguise, Roy, because you got your asses kicked so badly by Cincinnati. You got swept in that series that George Steinbrenner said afterwards, uh-uh, this ain't going to happen again. So he made a <laughs> little bit of a deal after that World Series, and he brought in a guy named Reggie Jackson. And after that, things went pretty well, right, Roy?
1: <laughs> yeah, that that was a big turning point for us. Uh, he was probably the last ingredient, you know, to have that big bat, uh, that big presence of his in the middle of the lineup. And and uh, he proved time and time again that he was a, a big-time player when it was a big game on the line. So that really added to our lineup. and. Uh, That 1976 lineup, you know, we had added uh, Willie Randolph and Mickey Rivers, and uh, that really changed our offense where we had more speed on our club and guys that could get on base. And, you know, now we had a a real big bopper in the middle of the lineup uh, that could drive and run. So that was big for us, you know. How
0: was so it though? All that was
1: said about Reggie. He did come through. No, listen, he came through
0: big. Yeah, I mean that 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 game against the Dodgers in the summer of '77, three home runs off three different Dodger pitches. Right. and you know you win it again in '78, and you get there in '81 again. Then he's gone, but. You know, you look back at those days, Roy, and you're such a, a serene, tranquil, beautiful guy, but you couldn't say that about I don't know, Reggie, Thurman, Billy. And uh, all we hear about, <laughs> even to this day, 40-plus years later, is that turbulent Yankee clubhouse and the dugout and the bites between Steinbrenner and Martin and Reggie. Are those overstated or understated?
1: Uh, sometimes I think it was overstated. Uh, we still had good chemistry in that clubhouse. You know, when it was time to play ball, uh, we all rooted for each other, pulled for each other in the dugout. And uh, we blended as a team. You know, we were a tough team. Had some tough characters on that team. So on the field, uh, it was different than the stuff off the field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, uh, I, I never let it bother me. A lot of things I didn't even know were going on. <laughs> you know, You're smart. Uh, yeah, you stayed I away from I was always that. focused on, you know, what can I do? I want to be in the lineup. You yeah. know, I want to help the team. And, you know, that was always my goal. Uh, you know, coming up with the Yankees was – to be the best all-around player that I could be. Yeah. Because yeah, I knew I wasn't great in, in any one area. But I felt that if I could do a lot of things, such as hit and run, I could lay down a bunt, hit the sack, fly, you know, get on base, uh, that the managers would like me. <laughs> They'd want to have me in a lineup. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, so that kind of worked out, I'd have to say. Yeah, it
0: worked out in a big way. You were a multiple all-star. And it kind of made me sad just now because – When I was a kid growing up, I love players like you. Like you said, guys that went to sacrifice themselves to bunt a guy, move him over, guys that would steal a base. I mean, all those things are gone. They're gone. I read about a guy like Mike Trout. God bless him. Great player. Great player. One of the all-time greatest. They already have him in the top ten players of all time. Are you kidding me? He hasn't had one big at-bat yet in his whole career. And all these arts (laughs) that guys like – and you're laughing because you know I'm right. All these arts that guys like you – took so seriously and made baseball the fundamental beautiful game that it was. They're basically gone, Roy. They're gone.
1: Well to a lot of people, uh under today's saber metrics, you know, I stand out with those numbers yeah. now. Yeah. They didn't have that in my time, you know, the on base percentage and the war, all that stuff. <laughs> and now that they have that, I find out that I rank in the top ten in you know some of these categories what guys are in the Hall of Fame. you know awesome. that's <laughs> actually great, yeah, I, yeah. I see, <laughs> I you. See some of this stuff, <laughs> but I crazy. used to have to write down stuff on a piece of paper during the year, like you know how many times I hit behind a runner, gave myself up sacrifices to try to negotiate a contract because none of that information was available back no, then. not back
0: then, but, so what was uh, it like when uh, the early seventies when Steinbrenner bought the Yankees? For basically nothing, and uh, turned him into this powerhouse that it's been now for the better part of fifty years. Your first interaction with George Steinbrenner, how did that go?
1: Well, you know, he he came in and spoke to the team and everything when we uh, when he first took over the club, but I didn't I didn't have a lot of personal interaction with him. But you could see uh, that he was determined to have a winner, and that he had a kind of a uh, his mental attitude was that of like a football coach, you know. Uh, you can get mad and tough and go out there. That was going to help you win. <laughs> you know, that was his mentality more. But uh, you could see the things were going to change. Uh, CBS had done nothing really to improve the club. They didn't put any money into the club. And that all changed when George came in. Uh, all of a sudden we started, you know, getting some players, adding players to the club like Greg Nettles, Chris Chambliss, you know, Gabe Paul came in as a general manager, made some great deals. And everything changed. So, you know, a lot of the credit has to go to George. Yep. Uh, even with all his idiosyncrasies, you know, he's <laughs> kind of like a Jekyll and Hyde character. You know, one day he could be pat you on the back and say you're great, the next day he might not even talk to you. Well,
0: listen, I got news for you, Roy. <laughs> a-, a lot of great leaders uh, actually work that way, I'm being honest. I, you know, there's a lot of crazy that goes into a great leader, you know that, so I'm not no surprised doubt. Yeah, no he was that. But I tell you, with all the great stuff you went through, Roy, and the All-Star years as a younger player, then making the smooth transition to the teams that won the World World Series in 77 and 78 and got back in 81, every Yankee I talked to, and I'm very close, as you know, with Bucky Dent, very, very close, and the day that Thurman died is still the day that Yankees on those teams remember the most. In fact, Bucky was telling me that a lot of folks thought Bobby Mercer was on that plane too when he was killed, which of course he wasn't, thank God, but the day that Thurman died, you know, Roy, that was the first time in my life. I was 12 years old. I was in a bungalow colony in upstate New York. And I was, I was born after Kennedy got assassinated. That was the first time I saw grown men cry the day that Thurman died.
1: Yeah, it was this. Uh, oh, man. That, that was one of the toughest days I ever went through in my life. Uh, uh, I sat next to Thurman in the clubhouse, you know, for the, the 10 years that he was there. So, you know, so uh, Thurman was like the first guy. Every day that I saw uh, when I went to the ballpark, uh, we sat together on a lot of you know, plane flights, uh, and he talked about his life, what he was going to do after baseball and everything. I have watched him when he studied the manual to become a pilot. So uh, it really affected me greatly, you know, being one of the, the closest guys to him on the club. And that's uh, yeah, a day I'll never forget, you know, and it, it was really tough. Because hmm. yeah, 'cause I've never lost anybody, you know, that close to me like that, you know, yeah. in my life. And here was a guy that I you know saw every day and all of a sudden he was gone. So uh it was really a tragic thing. Really tragic.
0: Yeah, it really was. Um where do you put Aaron Judge coming off that record season last year, sixty two home runs, he went past Roger Maris, winning a deserved M V P, getting uh, you know, like eighty billion dollars every year. Uh where do you put <laughs> Where do you put Aaron Judge Uh, now? Do you consider him one of the all-time greatest Yankees, or not yet? Not there.
1: Well, I think you'd have to consider that he that he is right now, off of that season. You know, uh, just as Roger Maris, who really had a short time with the Yankees, you know, had the great, uh, you know, sixty-one home runs, and uh, I think the next year he hit thirty-nine or or forty. And, and after that, he never approached those numbers again. But, you know, he's yeah. in Yankee history as one of the greatest, you know, players that put on the Yankee uniform. Uh, you still got to have the test of time. You know, you got to be able to, to maintain that and, and do some of those things again. But I certainly think that, uh, that he's capable of doing that. Uh, uh, I like the way he swung the bat last year. Uh, that was the best I've seen him. You know, he was more relaxed and comfortable at the plate. You know, not swinging at the bad pitches out of the strike zone. He stayed within himself so uh, i don't I don't see why he shouldn't be able to, to maintain what he did.
0: The book uh, comes out the second week of April, Roy White from Compton to the Bronx, and I mean what I said with Andy Levine. There is no excuse <laughs> my friend Roy and I'm telling you right now when it happens i'm going to be there Roy and I'm going to be the guy that actually stands in front of your monument and says that's <laughs> it's finally done. Thank God uh, for people that uh, are going to go buy this book again, that magical career early days with Maris and Mantle and Ford to the days right. of Reggie and all those great teams, and still a fervent New York Yankee fan now, Roy. I haven't played a Yankee game in over 35 years, still loving this organization. What do you want people to take away from Roy White as a New York Yankee?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I think for, uh, for young people, especially any kids uh, that read the book or, you know, if they're into sports, uh, I just wanted them to see uh, what I had to go through to get to the top, that if you have a lot of determination. Uh, and you practice hard and you work at it and you have a dream and you believe in it, you know, that it's possible uh, to get up to the to the big leagues and achieve that. And and my book is about me and baseball, you know, and, it is, and it's a legacy for my grandchildren. I said, well, you know, I'm not looking to make big money from any book. I just wanted to have my legacy out there where my, my grandkids can look at this and see what their grandpa did. So uh, I'm happy about that. Uh, uh, I think it was a very interesting book as far as that, a lot of things happen to me, uh, as I said, to have the Japan segment, where I played their baseball there for three years, and a lot of interesting things happened. You know, it's not a tell-all; it's all been said, you know, about the yeah. Yankees and the Bronx yeah. and all that. Yeah. So it's just my personal things, and I, and I think yeah. it's an interesting book that uh, that people have enjoyment out of. You know, that is kind of a pure baseball book, yep. and uh, they'll find out in there that uh, the only reason I became a Yankee is because the scout signed me without asking the Yankees. Oh, that's great.
0: I love that. I love that. (laughs) By the way, my wife just ran the marathon in uh, Tokyo. She was there last week. And um, she loved it. She thought Japan was beautiful, it was clean, the food was great, the people were very respectful. She said uh, New York could only aspire to be uh, Japan, uh, Tokyo. But, <laughs> uh, but you had uh, three great years there, and now you're being compared to guys like Sadahara O, even there in, the, in, that, uh, in that Asian country. But uh, listen, Roy, I've loved you for years. Okay. Uh, again, congratulations on the book and uh, continued uh, success. And keep coming back, Roy White. You're an absolute treasure. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Good to be with you, Sid.
0: You got it, pal. There he is, one of the all-time greats, Roy White. That's a good man right there. He's a good ball player. Love guys like him. Bunt, steal a base, sacrifice fly. I love fly So unselfish. Oh, God. That era is gone. Yeah, that was a great team. Yeah, you talk about all these great hitters today. Let it face a guy like Bob Gibson. See how that goes. Or Seaver in his prime. Or Marischal. Or give me a break. Jacob deGrom. Or Guidry. Guidry. Yeah, good luck with that.